When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. What's going on, MD Nation? Welcome back to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. And of course, always subscribe to our YouTube channel. Catch us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, such as Spotify, pretty much anywhere you want to go. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got the... Thursday night game cast, because of course the Thursday night game is going on as the show is streaming to you live. So we'll react to anything big that happens, injury news, scores, things of that nature as we move along here. But mostly want to get into our late window of matchup previews for week 11, meaning of course the later afternoon Sunday games, the Sunday night and the Monday night matchup, along with making sure you guys are all caught up on the injury news updates from the show we talked about yesterday, which would be the early window of shows. Make sure you go back, check us out on your favorite pod streaming app on YouTube, you know, wherever. Make sure you go back and watch and or listen to that episode as we broke down our favorite bets. Chris and I did our favorite bets for week 11 for the one o'clock games. And of course, all of our fantasy expectations for those matchups as well. So let's get you up to date on those injury news today that came out. It was a Thursday practice. So we get a little bit more of a concrete idea on what it is that we're expecting. First thing I have up on my board, Will Fuller, he continues to practice in a limited capacity. There's a chance he's going to get activated 
But as of right now, I would lean towards it probably being at least one more week before we see Will Fuller make a true return to the field. It's a little bit hard to gauge because remember, he's still in the IR. When you're on the IR, they don't have to give you an official practice designation. So we don't know exactly what his participation level is. The inside sources are that he was limited in practice. Even if he played this week, even though it's against the Jets, no, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing with him. He's going to have to get his legs back under him. But Will Fuller is somebody who was on my waiver wire report earlier this week because he's a potential stash play. He's somebody who has that big play capability. Devontae Parker has had a lot of trouble staying healthy so far this season. Tua Tagalavoa is working his way back, by the way. He practiced in full today. We already expected him to play this Sunday, but you like the fact that he took all the reps in practice today, meaning he's feeling a lot better with his hand. And this is a pass-first offensive team. So I think there is some value for Will Fuller upon his return when that happens, and I do think it's when, not if. But I don't know for sure it's going to be happening this week. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Show when we have the player news notifications. Also on my list, Dallas Goddard trying to get through the concussion protocol. Guess what? Great news for Dallas Goddard. He practiced today. I think he was listed as a limited capacity, but apparently he was a it was a true limited. It wasn't like a very limited. It was a borderline like full participation in practice, but he can't really go focus on the concussion protocol. So he did everything that he was able and allowed to do. That's great news because Dallas Goddard, even though this is a tough matchup for the Philadelphia Eagles and the tight end position in general against the Saints on Sunday, he's still a top 12 tight end. You still have to plug and play him. He's still the number two pass catcher on that team behind Devonta Smith. So this is great news that you're able to have Dallas Goddard ready to go for this matchup. Next up, we got uh, Miles Sanders continuing to practice. He has not officially been activated off the IR, but we expect that to happen probably tomorrow. Maybe they'll wait until Saturday, depending upon what kind of a roster adjustments they're going to have to do for the practice squad. I talked about him yesterday, what our fantasy expectations are. Look, going into this game, it's a tough game against the Saints anyway. So he's not in a spot where, even though the Eagles have now made this new commitment to the run game, he's not in a spot to be all that efficient. On top of the fact that we don't expect Jordan Howard to go anywhere. He may may have his role reduced a little bit as far as being the lead ball carrier, but I still think he's going to position to get 8-10 to carries in this game. I think he's still going to get some short yardage distance, goal-to-go distance. He's still going to be involved. So both of them actually came in as RB3s for me. Very limited ceilings. So I would hopefully you have another option to be able to go with because I just don't like this matchup here for either one of these guys against the Saints. Logan Thomas did not practice. Ricky Seals-Jones did not practice. So it's a rough one right now for the tight end position for the Washington football team. If Ricky Seals-Jones can't go, because I'm not expecting Logan Thomas at all. I think of of the two, Ricky Seals-Jones has the best chance of being able to suit up. But if he can't go either, all it really means is an added volume share for Terry McLaurin. You don't care about the third string tight end. I still don't care about any of the other wide receivers. I mean, Taylor Heineke has been barely been able to keep Terry McLaurin fantasy relevant. He's been a bit disappointed more times than not this season because he's just not a very good quarterback. He's not getting the ball. They're not featuring him the way that they should. That's really what it boils down to with Terry McLaurin. He's not just a deep ball threat wide receiver. He's a guy who could line up anywhere on the field 
and win his matchups. And by the way, he is. I mentioned this yesterday. He's, he's leading the league in contested catches. So he's doing everything he can. He's getting in there in traffic, coming away with the football, but still is nothing more than a wide receiver too because of this offense, because of the quarterback situation. It's unfortunate. But any added volume, anything to boost his floor just a little bit is exactly what you need for Terry McLaurin to feel good about continuing to play him in your lives. And you're never going to come off of him, by the way. He's too good, too involved. But that ceiling that we were hoping for, I had Terry McLaurin as a top 12 wide receiver coming into the season. I thought this was going to be his big breakout year from a fantasy football perspective. And unfortunately, that's going to have to get put on hold until at least 2022 or whenever they get an actual real quarterback in there. But expect some extra volume for him this week if Ricky Stills Jones cannot go. As far as Logan Thomas says when he's expected to be back, I don't know. If you have him on the IR spot, continue to stash him. Because I still think he's a top 10 tight end when he does return. But if he does return, right? He tried to come back and practice, and we don't know what the severity of the setback he had is. And because they designated him to return from IR, now all of a sudden, Logan Thomas in a situation where if he can't get back and activated by next week, he might be on the IR, but this time for a longer term. So we have to watch that very, very carefully. If that winds up happening, then I don't think you need to keep stashing Logan Thomas. There would be no reason to. And then Ricky Stills Jones, though, even though he might be out this week, he would have some nice value rest away as a streaming, but more, more of a borderline top 12 tight end more times than not heading into future reference. So keep an eye on Ricky Stills Jones because he's somebody a lot of people dropped after the bye week. He might be somebody worth stashing, especially if you've been streaming tight ends anyway the rest of the year, depending upon what happens to Logan Thomas here. Elijah Mitchell continues to not practice. Now, he was out there. Remember, it's his finger, so he can take part in like conditioning drills and things of that nature. But he was in a non-contact jersey, officially listed as they did not participate in practice. That's Thursday. It's coming in the Friday. I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I'll, I'll say this again. Elijah Mitchell, it's really, really hard to carry a football securely, especially when you are coming off of surgery for a fractured finger. It's really hard to do it. We do have precedence for players getting this surgery with a finger fracture and being able to play the following week. We've seen it with wide receivers. We've seen it with skill position players before. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's really difficult. And knowing Kyle Shanahan and how he is when it comes to fumbles, I'd be really surprised if Elijah Mitchell, if he's not able to practice and at least a limited participant tomorrow, I'd be really surprised if he was activated on Sunday. So for me, the arrow is trending more and more towards Jeff Wilson being a nice, solid RB2 play heading into this week. I think the possibility is there. Now we'll have to wait and see tomorrow to get reassurance, but we're heading in that direction. My feeling more so is that I think it's, it's less than 50% Elijah Mitchell suits up. I truly do. I think he'll definitely be back next week, but I just don't see why you rush him back for this week especially if you can't hold, securely hold on to the football. More injury news updates. Allen Robinson continues to not practice. He's not going to go. Okay, he's dealing with the hamstring issue. Didn't get any, well, at least it, it might have gotten a little bit better on the bye, but not anywhere near enough for him to be able to practice. And he's somebody that really, if you're in 10, 12-man leagues, probably might be out there in your waiver wire anyway. He had some upside 
if Justin Fields continues to progress and play better, he might have some upside at some point as far as being a, a decent floor wide receiver three that you could possibly play. But at this point in the year, that's probably his ceiling. And we never really got a clarification on exactly what the severity of his hamstring injury is. So as a result to that, I don't know if you really need to be stashing Allen Robinson unless you have an IR spot and you can stash him for free. But if he's hindering your roster flexibility in any way, you can go ahead and drop him. Uh, Robinson, James Robinson, that is. He did practice in limited capacity today, so that's progressing in the right territory. We just wanted to see that after he didn't practice yesterday. The expectation is he's going to play, even though he's listed with the new knee injury. Check back again tomorrow to make sure there's no setbacks, but we expect James Robinson to go and to be a nice RB2 for you guys. Cole Beasley was able to return to a limited participant in practice today. Look, for me, Cole Beasley with Dawson Knox is more of a PPR wide receiver for than he is anything else. Because I think Dawson Knox really takes away a lot of his top end value and a lot of his volume, which is what he's been feasting off of is the amount of volume that he's been seeing. I think a lot of that goes away with Dawson Knox back in the mix. But because they're playing the Colts and it's such a juicy matchup and it's got a high over under, he is not wide receiver four category, depending upon, you know, what your options are and how deep this league is. And he practically only capacity today. I would suspect he will be trending towards being able to be activated on Sunday. Latavius Murray did continue to practice also in a limited capacity. From what I was hearing, though, some people were talking about he really did not look good. Now, I don't think they would have cut Le'Veon Bell if they weren't confident Murray was at least going to be activated this week. And I don't know how much you really want to play a Baltimore Ravens you know, running back if you can help it at all either. But continuing on with the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson couldn't practice for a second day in a row. Again, dealing with the Ill, a non-COVID illness where apparently he got Rashad Bateman sick along the way because then he didn't practice today, again, with a non-COVID illness. They'll be activated if they're feeling better and good to go. They're probably just resting up and getting fluids, but I wouldn't be a little bit surprised if their conditioning's a little bit off, not getting the reps in practice this week. I think there's a chance I might... You're still going to start Lamar Jackson, but Rashad Bateman's case, he was somebody who was my wide receiver 40, so he was in that conversation of a potential flex play depending upon what your options were. He might be moving down a little bit on my board. Lamar Jackson may be a spot or two, but he's still going to be a QB1. You're still going to play him. So I'd be a little bit concerned about it. Marquise Brown dealing with the thigh injury. He also did not practice the last two days. But from while there seems to be, you know, we got to watch tomorrow to see, make sure he practices in limited capacity. There is not much concern on the Marquise Brown front as far as his availability on Sunday. I haven't gotten that vibe. I haven't gotten that feeling. I haven't gotten that information to this point about really being concerned about Brown not being activated. So as of right now, I stand on more confident than not. He's going to be good to go. He is a wide receiver 10 for me. You'd play him if he's out there, but we'll just have to watch tomorrow's practice report to make sure he's in fact good to go. But he's also had two days of no practice. The Ravens really going into this thing kind of banged up and, you know, under the weather heading into this matchup on Sunday themselves, as it looks like right now. And then we had Jamal Williams. He practiced in limited capacity. So did DeAndre Swift. Now, DeAndre Swift, he is listed with a new injury, right? He's been he's been limited before, but it was with a groin. Well, he's not listed with the groin anymore, but he is listed with the shoulder. He did practice in limited capacity today. There's no concerns on my part as far as his ability to be active on Sunday. I will be curious to see, though, if Jamal Williams makes his return this week. Because if he makes his return, then DeAndre Swift... 
don't know how much value he really loses because he was already being a low-end RB1, even with Jamal Williams in there because of his involvement in the passing game. But he certainly doesn't have the, the ceiling or the volume that he had seen over the past couple of weeks, especially last week with the, with the 30 carries. So he's not going to see that if Jamal Williams is back in. But on the flip side, you can make the case he was just as valuable and maybe even more explosive in the role of still getting about an even amount of split of carries with Jamal Williams, but dominating being heavily involved in the passing game. And remember, Jared Goff now, he hasn't practiced two days in a row. So now they've been preparing as if Tim Boyle might have to be the starter because Jared Goff's been dealing with the oblique injury. So if Tim Boyle's out there, all the more reason to dump the ball down to DeAndre Swift and just let him go to work. So either way, you're not worried about Swift. It'll just be a matter of, are you getting an ungodly amount of volume or are you sticking to more of a, and the album, the baby album Kamara role, as I've come to call it pretty much over the past, you know, seven weeks, essentially. Mayfield, questionable. You don't really care about that. Uh, it's more of the do with the offense in general. I still stand firm on, I think Case Keenum would play this week. And I think if you're a fantasy owner of the running game, which we'll talk about in a second, I think you want Case Keenum to play. Because I think right now, because of Baker Mayfield's injuries, Case Keenum would actually probably be more efficient moving the ball up and down the field offensively than Baker Mayfield is right now. And, that, and I'm not saying Case Keenum's a better quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. But Mayfield's so banged up at the moment that I think a healthy Case Keenum might just be a little bit better and just keep things moving the way they're supposed to. Now, I will talk about the running game. This will be my last news update from our show yesterday. Again, go back, check it out on your favorite pod streaming app or on YouTube, the MD Swings Football Show. Subscribe to that. Make sure you watch that episode if you didn't catch it live last night. But with Nick Chubb still not activated. Now, the report today was that he's trending in the right direction. Now, I'm not really sure what that means when it comes to a player who's just trying to get clear from COVID. Does that mean he tested negative once today and that was his first negative? And so if he tested negative again tomorrow, he'll be back and allowed a facility? I don't know because they didn't actually say that he tested positive or tested negative today. They didn't say te- which way or the other he tested today. All they said was that he's trending in the right direction and that if he's activated, regardless of practice time, regardless of coming off the COVID protocol, he'll play, he'll be a starter. That's all fine and dandy. And if Nick Chubb's activated, you're playing as an RB1. That's not the question here. The thing is that if he's not, because now we're getting late into the week and he still hasn't played, Dearness Johnson gets fired up as an RB1 if he's got the workload to himself. But let's throw in the scenario of Nick Chubb's activated, but hasn't been able to practice much. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, two notable players, both kind of mentioned how winded and exhausted they were both during and after their games coming back from COVID. Devontae Adams' case, he was vaccinated just like Nick Chubb is. And now he hasn't really been able to condition. So what happens on Sunday? Is he going to get all the work like he did before he got COVID where Dearness Johnson wasn't really involved and just all went to Nick Chubb? Or does Dearness Johnson look more like the first week Nick Chubb came back from his calf injury where he didn't quite have the full Kareem Hunt role but had a significant enough role to be interesting. I kind of wonder if Dearness Johnson doesn't become a flex consideration, even if Nick Chubb is activated this week. Make sure to check out my rankings. I'll be updating them throughout the week on BillionFantasySports.com. And as we get those news and they come in, check it out. You know, I'll, I'll tell you from, from that where I expect these guys to be at. And if I think Dearness Johnson 
can be a viable flex play, my top 36 or not, even with an activated Nick Chubb. Something I still got to look into and find out a little bit more about. But I think there's a real possibility you might be able to play both. Something you haven't been able to do in the Cleveland backfield since Kareem Hunt has been healthy. And I'll just make another quick note about Kareem Hunt. Not able to practice at all today. Of course, he's not going to come back this week. But we still don't really have a definitive timeline on when he's going to be able to. We still don't really know how significant that calf injury is. It might not be soon. It might not be as soon as next week or the week after. We still might be looking at multiple weeks before Kareem Hunt becomes a factor again. Now, keep stashing on your IRs if you have them. You're not dropping them. But just to kind of give you an idea, if you've had Kareem Hunt and you're hoping he was going to come back within the next couple of weeks here, I would make plans as if you're going to march into the playoffs potentially without Kareem Hunt at your disposal. So just kind of keeping your guys' head on a swivel. I do have a comment in here from Dan. Is that I need one out of Adrian Peterson, Devonta Freeman, Mike Isecki, AJ Green. Patterson being out killed him today. No, I get that. I understand. Uh, look, out of that group, as of right now, it would be Mike Isecki for me. I'll say this with a caveat, though. If we find out Latavius Murray winds up not being able to go because he is very limited in practice and they don't think he actually is healthy enough to play, then you'd have to go Freeman in that instance. But Fuller's not going to be back probably this week yet. Even if he is, he'll probably be limited. We know Parker's not going to be, and it's the Jets. I know Mike Isicki went 0 for 7 last week. I don't think that happens two weeks in a row with two starting from the get-go at the game. I think it's going to be a lot of Waddle, a lot of Mike Isicki, and a nice match against the New York Jets. So out of that group, I'm going Mike Isicki there, Dan. Thanks for tuning in to the show. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to start to dive into the late slate matchup previews for week 11 with my fantasy expectations and my bets of the week. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you are in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in MD Nation to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. And of course, always subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel when you get the chance. Always have great content coming out there. It's wintertime when temperatures go down. 
the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the Thursday night football game cast and, of course, our matchup previews for the late window of Week 11 games with our bets and our fantasy expectations. I just went over in the first segment the injury news updates from our episode yesterday when we talked about the early window of matchups. If you did not catch that episode, go back on your favorite podcasting app, subscribe, and download the show. Or check us out again. You can on social media, YouTube. The episodes available to you guys all over our platforms. Make sure you watch that and and get all of our advice for what you should do this upcoming week for the early window of games. I'll give you guys a quick update with you with whoever's on the live stream with me right now, which I greatly appreciate, especially with football going on. New England does have a three to nothing lead at the moment. Ramondre Stevenson's got three carries for 26 yards. That's the big highlight. Janu Smith, I guess, one catch, 17 yards. Who would have thunk? Russell Gage on the Falcon side, two catches, 13 yards. And uh, we have three carries by three different running backs for the Atlanta Falcons. Mike Davis, Kadri Allison got involved. And then Wayne Gallman has one carry for negative three yards. So we'll keep you up to date as this thing moves along here. But so far, not a lot happening as we get towards the end of the first quarter. Let's jump into our late window matchups and kick this thing off with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders are going out to Vegas here. Now you love what you saw and should out of the Chiefs offense for not just the Chiefs offense purposes, but the Raiders defense is starting to leak a little bit, not a ton. I would still say it's still a solid defense. But I don't think this is the defense that's been shutting down passing attacks that we saw earlier on in the season. And they're going up against another stout passing attack here. Cincinnati Bengals coming off the bye week. Got Joe Burrow. Got T. Higgins. Got Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd, who's more of a better of an NFL receiver than he is a fantasy receiver this year. C.J. Usama, who apparently can score two touchdowns at any given moment. And, of course, Joe Mixon. They're all healthy, too. That's the beautiful part here. They're all healthy. They're all back, coming off the bye all fresh. So, obviously, we, let's, get, let's get the obvious out of the way. Jamar Chase, my wide receiver seven on the week. You love him. He's a wide receiver one. You play him. You don't question it at all. And Joe Mixon, RB5. You know, we're still a little bit concerned or annoyed, I think is probably the, the better description here, that Samaja Perrine has to be involved as he is in the passing game, taking away the workhorse role that Joe Mixon should have and therefore would probably be a top five running back every week, despite the matchup. This one's a good matchup for him, so we probably have him in the top five anyway. But you're still playing him with the utmost of confidence. Now we talk, let's talk about T. Higgins and, and Joe Burrow. Burrow's been pretty consistently a top 12 quarterback. Hasn't been flashy, hasn't been finishing in the top three all that often, 
but he's been a very solid quarterback with the weapons that he has. He's got the big play available to him through Jamar Chase. It's a pass-first offense. They've been passing more and more and more since opening day as they've gotten more confident with the offensive line and Joe Burrow where he was at in his knee recovery, and now he's full-blown ready to go. So Burrow comes in at QB 10 for me. I think if you have him, you should continue to play him as a QB 1. He's been one of the more consistent quarterbacks. Again, his ceiling may not be top three, but he's been one of the more consistent quarterbacks throughout the season and probably will continue to be. I know the Bengals' schedule the rest of the way is not fantastic, but when you have this many weapons to be able to throw the ball to, your offense is never going to be bad. And that's why Joe Burrow really has not been bad at all this year. So the other question is, you know, T. Higgins, where exactly do you evaluate him? And look, I know it's been a little bit frustrating because he hasn't had that big game yet and he's not scoring a ton of touchdowns. But I think we can all recognize the targets are there. The volume is there. The air yards are there. And the one nice thing about Jamar Chase already becoming the wide receiver one in some ways is that he gets more of the attention. So now T. Higgins gets to be the one who mismatches with the second corner on the other side. And believe you me, Tiggins can win that battle more times than not. He's going to get that big game. It's going to come. It's just a matter of when. As long as the volume continues to be eight targets plus a game, which is what it has been so far this season, I have confidence in playing him in pretty much any matchup. He comes in at wide receiver 27 for me, a very strong wide receiver three who has upside because he's due for a big game. Now, CJ Usama, he's my tight end 18, which means he's on the very back end of... 12-team, you know, streaming tight end possibilities. Just keep re- keep reminding yourself when you're looking at these tight ends to stream, I want to attack volume. They all have about the same amount of chances to score touchdowns. I want to attack volume. CJ Usama, while he's had some huge games this year because he's had a couple of multi-touchdown performances, it wasn't off of volume. The one last game he had two touchdowns, he had three targets. It can happen, but it's a fluke. So I'd rather look to other options available to you than a CJ Usama. I'll mention Tyler Boyd in passing because at this point, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that Tyler Boyd is a non-factor for me when it comes to fantasy football. I don't know why people still think he can be. He doesn't have the ceiling of a T. Higgins, of a Jamar Chase. And because he doesn't have the ungodly amount of volume that he's used to seeing in years past, he's not the high floor, half point, full point PPR wide receiver that he used to be. I got him coming in as a wide receiver five this week. I don't think there's any reason to own a Tyler Boyd unless something were to happen to a T. Higgins or a Jamar Chase. So let's move to the Raiders side of the ball here. So Derek Carr has been one of those more popular streamers throughout the year. And he does come into QB 15 for me, which puts him in the streaming conversation. I do think this game, because of the offensive weapons on both sides of the ball, has a chance to be a shootout. I think that's that that's in that's in the range of outcomes here for this game. That's why he comes in at QB 15 for me, because they might have to put up some points. And he's been in these spots before against these defenses that are maybe above average, like the Cincinnati defenses, but not world beaters. And he's performed well in the past. He especially typically performs well after having a dud of a game kind of like he did against Kansas City last week. So I think he's an option. There are other options I like more, though, this this week, obviously, having a QB 15. So he's not my first go-to streaming guy, but he's an option out there depending upon what you have available to you. Josh Jacobs practiced in limited capacity today. There's really no fear about Josh Jacobs being able to play on Sunday. 
he comes in my RB17. Even last week, as much of a blowout as it was, and the Raiders offense couldn't show up, he still got his five targets. He's been averaging five targets since John Gruden left as the head coach. So Josh Jacobs has his whole new floor now. Now, if he can just put that floor together with the touchdowns, something he hasn't really done much of yet this year, we're going to be talking about Josh Jacobs, the top 10 running back sooner rather than later. So if you still have your trade deadlines out there, they haven't passed yet, and at week 11, I don't think they would have. Josh Jacobs remains, as I talked about this a couple weeks ago, he remains a buy low for me. Coming off of a rough game last week against Kansas City, like I said, he's got a whole new floor. He is slowly getting healthier. And the touchdowns we're used to seeing out of him haven't happened yet. I expect that will pick up in the second half of the season. So if you can get Josh Jacobs cheap, maybe 75, 50 cents on the dollar right now, I think that's possible. Go after him. Go get him. This five targets a game really helps his floor in a big way. Now, it kills Kenyon Drake having flex value appeal on his own because he's really just getting, you know, half of the work of a Josh Jacobs all the way around now. So making him pretty much just a handcuff and nothing else. But Jacobs, Jacobs could be, I think he could be a league winner. I think it's a potential, if he starts getting the touchdowns and he starts getting a little bit healthier, he maintains this floor of the target share. I think Josh Jacobs could potentially be a league winner. So I would be buying low on him right now. Hunter Renfro, talk about wide receivers have just been consistent. Even last week, seven catches, 49 yards. He pops in the touchdown. Now, he's scored the past couple of weeks, and that's really boosted his fantasy value. And I don't think Hunter Renfro is truly a a wide receiver, two every single week. Because he's going to have those games eventually where he does not score, and then that you see that seven for 49, or just like, if you're in half point, full point BPR, you'll live with it. Standard's terrible. And that's what I think Hunter Renfro is. He's a wide receiver three. He comes out wide receiver 26 for me this week. Now, because they're not, the touchdowns aren't going to Darren Waller, not going to Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro's been getting those scores. That's why he's on the higher end of the wide receiver three for me because he's got that ceiling now because he's been routinely targeted in the red zone by Derek Carr. And I don't think that necessarily goes away. So he is a wide receiver 26. I think you can play him with some confidence. You know he has a high floor. And if he gets into the end zone, he'll probably finish within the top 24. And because he's such a slot wide receiver, you're not really worried about against Cincinnati, who does better against the perimeter. I don't have Brian Edwards ranked as a guy who I'm actually considering in my flex or anything like that nature. He comes out wide receiver 44 for me, but I do want to mention him in passing for this reason. With Brian Edwards, a lot of people got super excited last week. You know, he got the big play, he got involved, and you know, people are asking themselves, is this something we can expect moving forward now that Henry Ruggs is out of the way? I got to see it one more time before I can have any confidence in it whatsoever. I'm fine with Brian Edwards being a pickup and stash. But the issue is Edwards has been playing more than any Raiders wide receiver this entire season. More snaps, more routes run, and he's been seeing like the least amount of targets, especially when it was Ruggs and Hunter Renfro out there. Deshaun Jackson, I got to think they, they signed him for him to play more than nine snaps, which is what he did last week. And still had one catch for 38 yards. I got to think they brought him in to play more than that. So I don't think we've really seen the final pattern as far as what the rotation is going to be in this offense moving forward. So I got to see it one more week for me to start before I start thinking Brian Edwards might be a potential top 36 play depending upon the matchup. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's just my two cents on that. And, of course, Darren Waller. Look. Has Darren Waller been disappointing? Has he not been the third-round pick that you drafted him to be? Has he not given you that kind of a value, you know, separation from the rest of the field, which is why he was such a high-end pick? Yeah, no, he hasn't done that. Having said that, he's still a top-five tight end. I got him at number four this week. You're still playing him every single week. Doesn't feel good. Doesn't fe- it doesn't feel good for your guy to underperform. He's supposed to be a key component of your team in general, not just a guy who can hold down the fort but he's still giving you mostly an advantage over the rest of the tight end position for the most part. You have to continue to play him. Can't move off of it. This is basically a pick game. The Raiders are actually home dogs by one point. So Vegas is basically saying, you know, who do you think is going to win? The overrunner set at 50 and a half, which is why I said I think this has a chance to be a bit of a shootout game potentially. The Bengals are the better team. They are. They are the better team. But I'm going to take the Raiders at home here. And I'm not going to take the points. I'm going to take them out right. The money line is only minus 105. So you might as well just take them out right here because it's only one point. But I expect them after a bad loss to a home team or to a, a, a rival, a divisional rival opponent last week, they're home this week. I think they bounce back. Even though Cincinnati's coming off the bye, they're still young. They're not, they don't have the resume of a team coming off the bye and winning. And because this is in, now this is in Cincinnati, I feel differently. Because this is in Las Vegas, I'm going to take the Raiders to snap their losing streak and take this game. I'm not going to call it a lock bet. I'm not going to call it a lock bet. But I might throw a few shekels on the Raiders winning this game outright heading into Sunday. All right, so let's move into our next matchup. Let's talk about the big matchup on Sunday. The game of the week. The Dallas Cowboys, the Kansas City Chiefs. From a fantasy standpoint, I cannot wait. The Chiefs offense might have started clicking at the exact right moment. The Dallas Cowboys defense has been letting up more big plays here and there. They're not as formidable on the defensive front. They're not going to have Randy Gregory, not going to have Lawrence. They're, you know, they're they're a little more susceptible. Trey Diggs has defensive player on the year on his mind. That's why he's going for an interception every chance that he gets. But you can hit the big play on a Trey Diggs. All the Chiefs got to do is stick to the same fundamentals that they showed last week. It's not just about the gaudy stat line they put up. It was the fundamental play. It was the motioning. It was Patrick Mahomes getting the ball out of his hands, not trying to win the game on every throw, checking it down, taking what the defense was giving him, letting his playmakers be playmakers, getting Travis Kelsey in situations where he's showing block and then spins out and becomes a check down safety blanket, making it easy on Patrick Mahomes, picking up first downs like it's nothing, dumping the ball down to the running back. As long as the Chiefs stick to that game plan, because everyone wants to mention this entire week, 
you know, the Raiders, they didn't play as much cover two shell as the other teams had. Did that actually have something to do with it? No, it didn't. The play calling was different. The fundamental aspects of what they wanted to do offensively was, was different. Whether, whether the Raiders played cover two shell the entire game or stuck to their basic cover one, it didn't matter. The, the actual intent of the Chiefs offense was different. So all they did was stick to that. And this will be a high-scoring game. This will be a shootout game. I don't know if it's going to be the game that we got a few years ago between the Chiefs and the Rams when it was, you know, it was over 100 points scoring. I don't know if it's going to quite be that level or not. But it's got a chance to be pretty crazy. It's got a chance to be pretty crazy. I'm pretty excited about this game, especially from a fantasy standpoint. Not much really fantasy analysis to give here, right? I mean, Dak Prescott, top five quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott's top 10 running back. He practiced in limited capacity, by the way. We expect him to health-wise to be okay for this game. CeeDee Lamb. I think this is the highest I've had CeeDee Lamb ranked. He slides into my wide receiver six overall in the week. Love it. Mid-level wide receiver one. Haven't gotten him up that high yet. The weird thing here is that Michael Gallup returning actually helps CeeDee Lamb. Not just for this matchup. You love it for this matchup. But moving forward, as long as Michael Gallup can stay healthy, it actually helps CeeDee Lamb. I know most people are going to say to you, like, well, no, no, Gallup returning means less targets for Cooper and Lamb. And eh, not really. Look at what Cedric Wilson was getting. I mean, he was getting about four to seven targets every single week. Eh, That's about what Michael Gallup gets. Maybe he's more like six to eight. But you're not talking about a huge difference. And like I said before, if anything, Gallup coming back affects the target share for Dalton Schultz. Not for the wide receivers. Not for Cooper, not for CeeDee Lamb. And the reason why CeeDee Lamb gets helped by Michael Lab, Michael, Michael Lab, <laughs> Michael Gallup returning is now he gets to dominate the slot. Dallas was even talking about it today. With Michael Gallup back, you have Gallup on the perimeter, you have Amari Cooper on the perimeter. For the most part, they do do some interchanging. I'm not saying they don't ever, but for the most part, you're going to CeeDee Lamb in the slot. CeeDee Lamb is better than any slot corner. I mean, outside of maybe Chris Harris when the, the secondary of the Chargers is healthy. He's better than any slot corner in the league by a lot. By a lot. And that's why for him, he gets to dominate. We saw it a bit last week. He's the number one mismatch. And Dak, who just, you know, goes to the guy who has the best mismatch, goes to the guy who's open, that benefits CeeDee Lamb more than anybody having Michael Gallup back especially in this matchup against the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs' defense on paper have been playing better, but I still look at them as a very juicy matchup on the back end, especially for this offense. I could do anything to them. So I love CeeDee Lamb. Maury Cooper is a wide receiver too. Yes, he's been disappointing, but you're going to pass up this opportunity. He comes out wide receiver 18 for me. He's got a safe floor, a good chance to score in this game. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling of a lamb, but he sure as hell has a higher floor than Michael Gallup. And again, you want to play everybody in here. Speaking of Michael Gallup. Now, he goes in wide receiver 38. So he puts him in the conversation of a wide receiver three, a conversation of the flex play. Now, he's a boom or bust option. There's no doubt about that. But I thought he looked pretty good his first game back, especially since it's been a while. And he didn't get his full plethora of snaps or anything, but they did make sure that they targeted him and made him feel involved early in that game last week. I like that for Michael Gallup moving forward who for me, I thought was going to be a nice wide receiver three heading into drafts this past year in this offense. 
that is throwing the ball a bit more over the past few weeks, mind you. So I think Michael Gallup is very much a boom or bust option here, but he's a wide receiver 38. If you need to hit a home run, I think there's few options out there who present a bigger upside and is in a better offense than a Michael Gallup is heading into this week. So I think he's a viable play at wide receiver 38, especially in your flexes. Especially like him in DFS, too. And we'll we'll talk about that show tomorrow night. Remember, at 9 p.m., we'll, I'll be back here live. Chris Dowhauer will join me. Chats Flaherty will join me. We'll talk about our lock bets of the week. Chris and I will talk about our MD's DFS contest that we have every single week, giving away free prizes on DraftKings. And we'll share our DraftKings lineup cards. And we'll just try to win you guys some money. But that's on tomorrow night. Michael Gallup, spoiler alert, he's going to be on one of my DraftKings lineups that I talk about tomorrow. So you love everybody in this matchup. On the Chiefs' side, again, not a ton of analysis to go over here. Patrick Mahomes, my number two quarterback on the week. Tyreek Hill is my number two receiver on the week. Travis Kelsey is my number one tight end on the week. Like I said, just stick to your basics. Stick to the principles that you showed last week against the Raiders. Everything will work itself out, without a doubt. Where is the actual analysis here? It comes with the running game. So it's kind of sounding like the vibes I'm getting from the coaching staff is that they maybe want to hold out Clyde Edwards-Alaire one more week because they have the bye next week and just have him come back without a doubt, no question about it, completely 100% healthy, practiced up and conditioned when they come back from their bye in week 13. That's the vibe that I'm getting. He still could be activated. He is practicing. So if they feel like, you know what, he's healthy now, we'll play him now. I wouldn't say it's outside the realm of possibility. I did kick off the week by ranking him on bellyfantasysports.com. I ranked him at RB23. If he's going to be activated, you're going to play him as an RB2. But here's what I'm going to, I'm going to throw this at you. I have Darrell, Will, Darrell Williams ranked at RB25. So even if they were both active, I have them both as low in RB2s, high in RB3s, meaning they're probably in your lineups, whether it be as an RB2 or as a flex play. Yeah, I was going to play Darrell Williams no matter what. He's going to have a role. I don't know exactly what that role is going to be. It could be just as simple as he goes back to having the goal line role that he was developing before Clyde Edwards-Alaire went out. Or, being that he's played well, it could morph into a two-man committee. I personally think it's going to morph into a two-man committee with Clyde Edwards-Alaire leading the way by a bit. Now, whether it's a 55-45 split or a 60-40 split, I think is really the only issue that I have that I want to figure out but Darrell Williams proved that he's a better pass blocker. They throw the ball more Darrell Williams than they did with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I don't think that was just because they had an adjustment last week to their offensive game plan, even leading up to it. As soon as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was out, they threw the ball more Darrell Williams, even when the offense was struggling. Now, I'm not saying I think Darrell Williams becomes the passing down specialist. I don't think that winds up being the case. But I think the fact that he's proven himself, especially in that area on this offense, I think it really sets him up to be in a two-man committee moving forward. I really do. Where in games like this with a high over-under, both will be playable. Now, Clyde Zolaire is, in fact, inactive for one more week as they head into the bye. Then Darrell Williams become a must-start high in RB2 for me this week. Just trying to get an idea there. Make sure you're subscribing to us on social media at Belly of MDF Show. We'll keep you up to date on the player news notifications. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. That's pretty much all the talk about me as far as fantasy-wise goes. You want every piece you possibly can in that particular matchup. As far as betting this game, betting this game is going to be fun. The data, of course, will always suggest that you bet against Kansas City in the line. I'm going to take that bet. Look, Kansas City looked great last week. I don't want to take anything away from and I'm I'm hoping this is marking the start of them returning back to form. But Dallas is a very, very good team. Dallas, I actually think, is a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. Kansas City still has some work to do it to get, to get there. They got to do it, you know, more than just one game against the Raiders. This line right now, because it's in Kansas City, it's minus two and a half Kansas City. Don't give me the points. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys outright on the money line. I think the Cowboys win this game. I think they're just a better team. They're the more complete offense. And they have a defense that can get pressure and create turnovers. Might not stop a lot. The over-under set at 56, by the way. I'd probably bet the over. I do think there's a very good chance both of these teams get to the 30s. In fact, I would bet on them both getting to the 30s. And I'll say that the over is a lock bet for me. And I might I might think about same-game parlaying this, taking the Cowboys on the money line, and then taking the over. That's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, give me the Cowboys. I don't know if I want to call it an upset, but it probably will be my upset of the week. So give me the Cowboys outright as my upset of the week if that actually can construe as one, being how they're so even in the line anyway. All right, when I get another break in, when we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview for you guys. The late slate of window, more fantasy expectations, more bets to make. Talk about some of the primetime matchups. And don't forget, as always, we have a mailbag segment at the very end of the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code Belly up fantasy at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs, and the shed travel bag. 
The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, we're available to you on YouTube. Please subscribe. Check us out after the episode on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeart, anywhere you'd like to go. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're previewing along here the late slate of matchups for Week 11. Talk about our fancy expectations, talking about our bets of the week. And of course, since this is recording, and I shouldn't say recording, we're going live during the Thursday night game. This is Thursday night game cast as well. So we're getting towards the end of the second quarter. Just to keep you guys up to date or joining us on the live stream. I thank you for that. Mac Jones. Not doing a lot, but looking pretty doing it. 9 of 10, 88 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown going to Nelson Aguilar on a 19-yard reception. Kendrick Bourne has two catches for 18 yards. Nikhil Harry, two catches for 14 yards. Those are the highlights there. We mentioned Ramondre Stevenson before we came out of the last break. He has not had a single carry since then. Still sitting at 3 for 26. It's been the Damian Harris show ever since. He's got six carries for 36 yards at the moment. And then we go to the Atlanta side, the ball. We thought it would be Wayne Gallman. We figured it would be Mike Davis. Nope. Kadri Allison. Kadri Allison has four carries for 27 yards right now. He's leading the way as far as touches go in this backfield. And Keith Smith got in on the action. So we got like a four-man committee going on right now. It's an absolute mess. So if you started Mike Davis, you started Wayne Gallman, my heart bleeds for you right now. Russell Gage is leading the way as far as pass catchers, four catches, 30 yards on four targets. Kyle Pitts only has one reception for seven yards on two targets right now. And Alameed Zacchaeus, two receptions, 18 yards. Patriots up 10-0 at the moment. We'll keep you up to date as we move along. But let's dive in some of our other matchups to talk about for Sunday. we got the Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks. Nice divisional matchup, but who's going to play? That's a big question in this game, believe it or not, on both sides of the ball now. Who is going to play in this game? Kyler Murray is still questionable. He has been practicing in a limited capacity the past couple of days. My gut feel is that he's going to play this game. I know there's been a lot of talk because the Rams lost last week and then they went on by that even if the Cardinals lose, they can't give up first place. And then their by is, is this upcoming week in week 12. Do you hold out Kyler Murray, bring him back, you know, more healthy in week 13. I will say this. I don't think it's a bad strategy overall, but keep in mind here, the Cardinals are not just playing for the division. They're playing for that number one seed overall. And the Packers play this week. The Packers win, the Cardinals lose. Now, all of a sudden, they're game back behind the Packers. There's only one team that gets to buy. So I think if Kyler Murray is good enough to go, he's going to play, especially after last week where... You saw what happens when the Colt McCoy experiment doesn't go well. Then you lose games that you shouldn't be. Okay? So I think Kyler Murray will play. If he does play, you have to lower your expectations to some degree. He's still QB1. He's my QB8. You're going to play him. But you have to keep in mind, he's probably not going to look to run the same way he typically would. 
And when Kyler Murray doesn't run, he's not a top five quarterback. Period. This is just how it has to be, unfortunately. He also probably will not have, whether he's activated or not, DeAndre Hopkins available this week. Hasn't practiced yet. And of all the guys that need to stay out until after the bye week, it's DeAndre Hopkins coming off that hamstring injury. So I don't expect Hopkins to play. So he'll, have, he'll be down his best weapon, too. So that's why it's a QB8 for me. I know I'm making it sound like you can't even start him. You, you still play him against Seattle. But just lower your expectations, and maybe you have to take a shot somewhere else in your flex or wide receiver three spot, something like that, if you feel like you have to make up for that. But I think you have to play Kyler Murray if he's activated. James Conner, I've talked about this before. As long as Chase Edmonds is out, more weeks than not, James Conner will be an RB1. And he is for me again this week. He comes in at RB11, so he's a low-end RB1 for me, but he's still in the top 12. Last week, look, it wasn't pretty, but James Conner did what James Conner does best. He scored. And he always has the potential to score. And now with the extra added volume in the passing game, he's got that added floor. You love James Conner. Don't have to think about it too much here. And you like the matchup here against Seattle, too. Chris, once I get the official news about DeAndre Hopkins being out, which is what I expect to happen, Kirk will probably move up a few spots for me. As it sits right now, he's my wide receiver 30. Feel pretty good about him. He's been leading the way for the wide receivers over the past few weeks in volume and productivity. I don't think that changes going from Colt McCoy to Kyler Murray. A.J. Green is starting to show his age, starting to show that he is, in fact, a shell of himself. He had COVID. I don't think he's quite recovered. He looks winded out there. He looks old. He looks tired. He looks slow. Unfortunately, we've come to find out that it doesn't really matter if DeAndre Hopkins is out and A.J. Green is stinking up the place. Rondale Moore is still going to be the wide receiver forward no matter how you break it down because Antoine Wesley apparently will play that outside role and Christian Kirk is going to stay in that slot no matter what. It's unfortunate for Rondale Moore, but that's why Christian Kirk's the only wide receiver I'm interested in from the Arizona Cardinals this week. I think he's a solid wide receiver three play. Even if, you know, once we get the word about Hopkins, even if I move him up a couple of spots, he still won't make my wide receiver two list. He won't be in my top 24, but he will be a strong wide receiver three play this week. Zach Ertz, don't think about it too hard. Top eight tight end every single week. You play him, you like the volume, you stick with him. Especially if Kyle Murray, I like him a lot more actually if Murray's back there, but you're playing him no matter what. On the Seattle side of the ball, it don't get much worse than it was last week for the entire offense, but especially Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson has a history of not dudding out two weeks in a row. I will say this is different circumstances, though. It's not like he just had a bad week, okay? It, it looked like there were still some comfortability issues gripping and throwing that football, especially deep. He wasn't even, like, I mean, you want to talk about a guy off the mark. He wasn't even in the vicinity when targeting Tyler Lockett down the field last week. And he did it multiple times, but it wasn't even close. The one throw that was actually, at least in the vicinity of Tyler Lockett, was thrown so late that he wanted to be covered by the time the ball got there. So there's some rust that Russell Wilson has to knock off that I think will be a little bit better this week. But overall, the biggest issue I have is that are you a little healthier? Are you a little more comfortable gripping the football? Because it was just clear his hand was bothering him. Having said all that, he is my QB not. Because again, it's hard for me to imagine he's going to have that bad of a game. And they're going to need Russell Wilson. They're going to need this passing game to put up points on the Cardinals. Why? Well, unfortunate news for Alex Collins, who was my RB30 and won't be soon after this. 
He apparently did not practice today as he picked up a groin issue. So we have Chris Carson not practicing. He's not going to come back this week. Alex Collins picks up a groin issue. So now we're looking at some sort of committee, most likely, between Bummy Bum Bum Rashad Penny and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, forgettable names at best. How do I foresee that breaking down? I would assume Rashad Penny would get the majority of the carries. But what does that even mean? Last week, yeah, they lost 17-0, but that game was never really out of hand. Alex Collins only got 10 carries. And for being involved in the passing or being the pass catchers, I should say, between DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, they weren't targeted very much either. So Rashad Penny will probably sneak into my top 36 just because I'll have him slotted to get the bulk of the carries and have the most touchdown upside of the group. But if I could avoid a Seattle backfield altogether, eh, I probably would. I don't want, even though the Arizona Cardinals, since JJ Watt has gone down, is a rushing defense to take advantage of. I mean, Rashad Penny's been chopped liver. This guy was a first round pick. He couldn't overtake Alex Collins coming back, you know, from what could have been a, should have been a career ending injury. So, again, he'll probably be going to top 36. If you're desperate, he can be a play because he's a running back who's going to get volume, he's going to start. But I don't love it if you can avoid it. Talk about Russell Wilson bouncing back, and, of course, that coincides with the wide receivers. You have to play DK Metcalf, and he's my wide receiver 13, believe it or not. Do I feel great about that? No. You have to play Tyler Lockett. He's my wide receiver 19. Do I feel great about it? No. They both come down to, can Russell Wilson play better than he did last week? I think he'll be better than he did last week. Will he be great? Eh, probably not. But can he be good enough? That's the question. And I think he can be in this spot where they're going to need him to be. Seattle's biggest problem offensively is that they refuse to pick up the pace. I guess because of Pete Carroll. But if they ever do, I love these wide receivers. And I mentioned this before. I would still be interested in buying low on a DK Metcalf and buying low on a Tyler Lockett. Because... I figure within the next couple of weeks, Russell Wilson will get right. Look at their schedule the rest of the way. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have nice schedules from here all the way through week 17. So if Russell Wilson just gets back a little bit. This offense picks up a little bit. These are going to be very nice receivers to have on your playoff stretch. So keep that in mind. I wouldn't cool off of them and you're playing them. Yes, they have low floors. Of course they do. But things have to get better. They have to get better. It can't be any worse. It's too talented not to. Gerald Everett, I know he made big splashes last week, so I'll just mention him here. He's my tight end 22, okay? With Russell Wilson getting better, that also coincides with him throwing out to the perimeter more, getting hooked up with Lockett and Metcalf more. That means Gerald Everett less, okay? That was just a game of circumstance last week and nothing more. This game, and I think rightfully so, the Arizona Cardinals are road favorites, minus two over Seattle. The over-under set at 48. I'm not going to bet this game right now. I got to see that Kyler Murray is going to be a starting quarterback. That's what I have to see. If Kyler Murray is a starting quarterback, I might be interested in Arizona minus two on the road. But if it's Colt McCoy, I don't think Seattle loses to Colt McCoy at home. I don't think they do. But that's something we have to wait and see on before I feel comfortable betting on it. And, of course, the over-under, that obviously dictates who's playing quarterback, too. So, right now, we're going to wait and see on that particular matchup. 
So let's move in the Pittsburgh Steelers and Los Angeles Chargers talking about a Sunday night game. I hate that the, I hate the Steelers get so many primetime games. Look, they're Pittsburgh, and they were great last year, and I get that part of it. But it's so brutal having to watch that offense take the field. I don't care if you're a fantasy fan or not. It's absolutely brutal having to watch these guys, no matter who they're playing. Now, an interesting note on the Chargers side, Justin Herbert was listed as a full participant in practice today, but he was also added to the injury report with an oblique injury. You know, the same thing Jared Goff is dealing with and not practicing at the moment. So for me, it's unclear as of this moment, and I'll get more information on this probably tonight into tomorrow morning and get you guys up to date on social media. But it's unclear to me at the moment, did he pick up this injury towards the end of practice where he got listed as a full participant but picked up an oblique injury at the end or they, they discovered it at the end? Or did he have this injury, they listed it, but he was still able to practice in full? I need clarification on that to know exactly what we're talking about here. So we'll have more update on that tomorrow. For now, for this show's purposes, we'll just assume Justin Herbert had the injury, was able to practice in full, and is going to be activated on Sunday. Because if he's not, then it's going to just going to change everything. But let's go with the idea that Herbert's actually going to play. He's like QB 11 on the week. Technically speaking, this is a decent matchup for quarterbacks and a good matchup for wide receivers. Should be a good matchup for the pass catchers. Now, I know last week... The running game for Detroit did whatever it wanted it to. And the front seven of the Steelers is really banged up at the moment. We got to, I mean, TJ Watt might not play. Then we have Joe Hayden on the outside. He might not play. So there's a couple of key guys out here that they're not out there. It's not going to be the same Steelers defense. So keep your eyes on that too when you're trying to evaluate your fantasy expectations for your players heading into the Sunday night. What do you do with Mike Williams? What do you do? He comes into my wide receiver 24 this week. So he's a low-end wide receiver too, which makes him a start. I think his value moving forward is a boom or bust wide receiver three, which if you've been playing fantasy football for any length of time, you know that's what Mike Williams has been his entire career. I don't like the way they've utilized him over the past, I believe, five weeks now. And, it, and you know, we're getting told we're getting reaffirmed that it's not the knee injury that's the issue for Mike Williams right now. The big issue has been two things. It's been, one, he's getting half the amount of targets of Keenan Allen, where at the beginning of the year, they were pretty much splitting at 50-50, and both were getting a good amount of targets, but they were 1A, 1B, and that's not happening anymore. And the other thing is, Mike Williams wasn't running his route tree that he was early on in the season when he was getting featured all over the field. They went back to you go deep and be a you know a contested deep ball, jump ball receiver. And we don't run the rest of your route tree, and therefore we don't feature you. Therefore, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler get all the targets underneath. So I can offer you some silver lining, at least from that standpoint. The silver lining I can give you from that standpoint is this. Last week, even though it was not impressive, the four catches, 33 yards, you know, against the Minnesota Vikings where you're looking at that game. And I said going into that week, that was a make or break it week for me where does Mike Williams have any chance getting back to what he was or, you know, does he now just become a wide receiver three boomer bust option? That's why I'm saying I think he is a wide receiver three boomer bust option because he didn't have a good game against Minnesota last week. And I was hoping he would go off so you could sell him high. That didn't happen. But there was a silver lining I was able to take out of that game when watching the film and studying the usage. 
he did go back to running a more complete route tree in the offense. Now, he still had about half the targets of Keenan Allen. But he wasn't going down the field all the time. That wasn't the only time he was targeted. That wasn't only the routes he was running. He was going back to his slants. Short ins and outs. Had a couple of curls in there, which are usually, have, last few weeks have been going all to Keenan Allen. So the usage was a little bit different against the Vikings than it had been up until that point. So that route tree that he ran last week, if he continues to do that, there is some hope that he's able to turn this thing around. There is. Having said that, it was still four catches for 33 yards. So you don't, you're not leaving with a big comforting feeling in your heart, for sure. Of course, he could have had two touchdowns. There was one where he had a double clutch to catch and he got tackled the one. And there was another one where he outright dropped the ball. He probably would have walked in. Now, he still would have had a lot of gaudy yards, but you have a couple of touchdowns. You feel a little bit better about the situation. At least you could probably sold him high anyway. The Steelers are similar here where that's where TJ Watt is going to be a big factor. Of course, Justin Herbert playing too, but TJ Watt is going to be a big factor. If he's not out there, then they don't have the same type of pass rush. I think there's a decent chance it'll open up things for the passing game. Herbert will be more comfortable to operate. And if they don't have Hayden on top of it, you're going to have a secondary you can take advantage of. If he does play, I think you might be looking at another, if at best, you know, four or five catch performance for like 40, 50 yards because Herbert's not going to have a lot of time to throw the ball. And you're probably going to look at Keenan Allen getting double the amount of targets again. So I think it kind of depends. But on paper, it's a good matchup for wide receivers. So I comes out my wide receiver 24. And if you're looking for a silver lining, that's the only one I can offer you is that his route tree did go back to resembling more what we saw in the beginning of the season. But he's 24. Keenan Allen, my wide receiver nine, top 10 play, because you know he's going to get double-digit targets no matter what against his Pittsburgh Steelers defense on Sunday night. Austin Eckler, my RB9. Obviously, you hope they can duplicate what they did last, what the Detroit Lions did to the Steelers last week. That's what you're hoping for. But, you know, between the passing, the rushing volume, even though he hasn't been putting up gaudy stat lines over the past few weeks, the volume's always going to be there. He's always going to have the opportunity. He's an RB1. You don't want to think about it too hard. Unfortunately, there are no more tight ends that are available to us to really think about when it comes to this team because, well, they have like a three-man rotation going on right now with these tight ends, making all of them useless. As far as betting this game on Sunday night, I don't know if they took it off the line or what. Got the Monday night game, got the 4 o'clock game. I don't want to give you the Sunday night game. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Well, it was up there earlier. It was the chart. It was the Chargers favored by six. That was earlier today. 
I was trying to pull up the active one, and right now they might have pulled it. That might be because of the Justin Herbert news where they don't know what's going on there with the oblique injury and exactly what's going on. So that, that might actually have a lot to do with it. So we'll go off of what I saw earlier, which was the Chargers minus six. And I'm going to say that's going to depend. It's going to be a wait and see. It's not a big deal because I'm going to probably say no contest anyway for me. It's going to depend on whether Ben Roethlisberger plays. If Ben plays, I think the Steelers have a decent chance to cover and keep this game close because the Chargers aren't blowing anybody out. They're not playing their best football as of late. Their defense is getting healthier. We'll talk about that on the Steelers side of the thing uh, soon. But they're not blowing anybody out anyway. So I'm not going to anticipate that they're able to cover a six-point spread if that, in fact, winds up being it when we reopen this thing. Now, the Steelers side of the ball, fantasy expectations, we don't have to go into too much depth here. Najee Harris, my number two running back. You love this matchup against the Chargers. You love him with the volume. Is it pretty? No, doesn't matter. He gets there because he's going to get probably 25 to 30 touches in a plus matchup. So you love him. He's my RB2 in the week. Deontay Johnson. Now, this is where we're going to get into the Chargers secondary is back and healthy. I mean, Asante Samuel, he played last week. Mike Davis is practicing in full, so he'll be back. That means Chris Harris can go back to the slot. So this will be the Chargers secondary that has been a pain in the butt for fantasy wide receivers. But Deontay has the kryptonite to that, which is whether it's Mason Rudolph, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger, he's going to get double-digit targets. So that's why he just just a very, very solid wide receiver two every single week. You wish you could get a couple scores or a couple more big plays here and there because he probably does have wide receiver potential if he's got a better quarterback. But he's always got that safe floor. So you're always starting Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver, too. That's why I got him at wide receiver 14, even though it's a tough matchup on paper. Now, Chase Claypool, on the other hand, is who I would shy away from. I got him at wide receiver 42. Even with him coming back this week, I don't care if it's Rudolph. I don't care if it's Ben Roethlisberger. Chase Claypool is not somebody I want to play. He doesn't have upside. Because whether it's Rudolph or Roethlisberger, the big place is not there, especially in this matchup. Now, the guy I think will be more affected by the by who's the starting quarterback. And that would be Pat Freermuth. He comes in my tight end 13 with the expectation that it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger. Now, I'll knock out the Eric Ebron thing right away. I keep hearing over and over again, like, well, we got we to simmer on Pat Freermuth because Eric Ebron's back. And he was running routes last week. I don't. So is Zach Gentry. I don't care. You watch the game, he had nine targets. Where was Eric Ebron? Nowhere to be found? Oh, that's right. I'm not worried about Eric Ebron, okay? The Steelers are running more two tight end sets than they ever have because they're focusing in on Najee Harris as the main part of their offense. And they don't really have a third receiver that they regularly want to play anyway. So with them playing more two tight end set formations, I don't let Eric Ebron run his routes. Pat Freemuth is going to be out there more times because he's a better blocker. And everything will kind of even itself out. He's still running more routes at the end of the day, and he's been getting more targets even with Ebron back. Now, I like him more at Ben because Ben has that rapport with him in the red zone, keeping that touchdown streak alive that he's been on that's been making him very fantasy relevant as a tight end. If it's not Ben and it's Mason Rudolph, I worry a little bit about, you know, does, can the Steelers score more than one touchdown as a team offensively? I think it's a legitimate question. So in his case, I want to be better. If I find out it's going to be Mason Rudolph, I may bring Furmuth down a couple of pecs, and maybe that'll slide in somebody else's my top streaming tight end of the week. But as it stands right now, 
he would be my stop, my my top streaming tight end of the week as my tight end 13. All right, now let's jump into the Monday night game. How did the Giants get two Monday night games? Is it because of the Eli Payton Manning cast thing? Because I don't think anybody wants the Giants to have multiple Monday night games. You get one, fine. Goodbye. <laughs> Seriously. Why do we have to watch these guys again? And I think there's a good chance they run into a buzzsaw. Tampa Bay had a bad loss to Washington last week. Ain't going to happen two weeks in a row. It's not. I expect Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Bucks to take care of business this Monday night. Which is great for them, right? Tom Brady's my QB5. I expect him to have a bounce back week, of course. Chris Godwin practicing in limited capacity, meaning he didn't have any setbacks from that heel foot injury he was dealing with. So he's trending toward, and he had seven catches for 57 yards, I believe, on the top of my head for that game anyway. So he's trending in the right direction. You can feel confident in him. He's a wide receiver 12 for me, so he's a low-end wide receiver one. And Mike Evans is a wide receiver eight. I don't think James Bradbury can handle Mike Evans in this game. So he's a wide receiver eight. He's got the big plays, the touchdown potential. His volume and has been a little wonky. Like even last week, he only had a couple of catches. So I expect his volume to go up a little bit more. I will say, though, his touchdowns do come, come under threat a little bit because good news, Rob Gronkowski is going to be back. He practiced in a full capacity today. That's going to make him my tight end 10 on the week. You're pl- if he's active, you're playing him. Especially because I don't think we're going to have Antonio Brown this week. Now, at least Brown is progressing. He was kind of out there earlier on. He was taking passes from a jugs machine. He was, uh, you know, reportedly he ran a couple of routes with Tom Brady. Officially, though, got listed as he did not participate in practice. But it does sound like at least now he's progressing because, you know, for a while it was like, oh, he had the ankle injury. And then it was like, oh, did it get worse? Because now he was in a walking boot. Last week, last week he sheds the walking boot. Now it seems like he's starting to progress. I don't think it's going to be this week. I think he's got a decent chance to come back in week 12, but I don't think it's going to be this week on Monday Night Football. So that means you continue the volume for Gronk, for Godwin, for Mike Evans, and you feel good about playing all those guys. Leonard Fournette has been fantastic. He's my RB12 on the week. He's low in RB1. He's getting all the volume and loving every minute of it. So you're playing all of your Tampa Bay players, and I have confidence they're going to have bounce back weeks across the board, starting with Tom Brady, and he'll make the whole rest of them go. On the Giants' side of the ball, we do have some good news here. Kenny Galladay, not on the injury report. Kadarius Toney, not on the injury report. And Saquon Barkley, finally practicing. It was a limited capacity today, but finally practicing for the first time since getting his injury. Now, remember, today's Thursday, but it's a Monday night game. So, this is a Wednesday practice. So, him practicing in limited capacity to start the week, even though it's coming off of a bye, not a big deal. Not a big deal. The expectation as of right now is that Saquon Barkley is going to play. Obviously, if he plays, you're activating him. The, the I, w- I, won't, I don't want to say the nice thing, but the nice thing if you're a Saquon Barkley fantasy owner is that Devontae Booker is banged up right now. Now, I think he practiced in limited capacity today, too. But if he were to not be able to go then all that volume goes to Saquon Barkley and you're you're good to go. But I think either way, Barkley's going to come in. He'll be the workhorse back. If Booker's active, maybe he gets sprinkled in, in and out a little bit more than he would have. 
but they've been waiting and they've taken their time with Barkley to make sure he was 100% healthy before he came back. So I think Barkley's going to be good to go. A question on everybody's mind is where do you value him at? I have him at RB15. I have him as a mid-level RB2 for a couple of reasons. One, I got to see it before I can totally trust that he's definitively going to get his huge workhorse workload back right away. He might not. I think he'll lead the way, but maybe it's 60, 65% of the work rather than the 75, 80% that we're used to seeing Saquon Barkley get. The other aspect is that it's Tampa Bay Bucks. Tough matchup on paper. I don't want to get carried away with the tough matchup against the Bucks, though. Because without Vita Vey, that's a much different rush defense, especially up the middle. The big thing about Tampa Bay is you can't run up the middle on them at all when Vita Vey's out there. You, just, you can't move him. He's too big, too athletic, too strong. But he ain't going to play this game. Now, luckily for Tampa Bay, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss a ton of time, but I don't expect him to play this game, which means that rush defense will be a bit more susceptible than it normally would be helping out Saquon Barkley. So I feel good about playing Barkley. I don't have him with RB1 level expectations his first game back, but it is potentially there, especially, especially if he stays involved in the passing game the way that he was before he got the injury. That was a big thing. As he was progressing, he was starting to get more involved in the passing game. Now, you can make the argument that part of that had to do with the fact that all the wide receivers went down at the same time. That could be the case. We'll see. We'll get our better. We'll get a better glimpse this week because all the wide receivers, with the exception of Sterling Shepard, are going to be back. Shepard didn't practice today and dealing with a quad injury, not practicing the first day, coming out of a bye week. Pretty good sign. You're not going to wind up playing that week. So I don't expect Shepard to play. But everybody else is going to be healthy. Tony, Galladay, Slayton, Evan Ingram. So we'll still get a pretty decent idea. If he's still involved in the passing game this week, then you feel pretty confident that will continue. And you're only looking for five-plus targets here. That's it. As long as he gets that, he'll be fine for you in getting back to Saquon Barkley, fantasy value-wise, the rest of the way. Now, as far as those other players I mentioned... This is a nice matchup on paper for the wide receivers against Tampa Bay, of course. I mean, there's still no Richard Sherman. They're still not going to have Carlton Davis. They're still dealing with the JV squad back there. I'm not streaming Daniel Jones because I don't know how you can trust Daniel Jones' fantasy production at all. And he's, he's he hasn't been running since the first month of the season. So if he's not running, he's actually not that good of a, fa- a fantasy asset, even if he has a nice matchup on paper throwing the football. But the wide receivers, you can't ignore them. Kenny Galladay is my wide receiver 35. Big plays there, touchdowns there, of course. But we haven't seen him be consistently utilized at any point this season. We got to see it first. We can fully trust it. He's a wide receiver three. He's my top 36. He's a consideration to flex play because of the matchup. And it's only because of the matchup. But I'm going to have an uneasy feeling in my stomach. He's got a low floor because we haven't seen the usage yet. Talked about this many times this season. The only wide receiver I have any interest in when it comes to the New York Giants is the slot receiver. Now, as it's shaping up right now, as I've said, it doesn't look like it's going to be Sterling Shepard. And I did I, I did these rankings, these first wave of rankings, Tuesday night and a Wednesday morning. So at that point, I was doing it with the idea that maybe Shepard's back. So I had him ranked as a wide receiver 43 and Kadarius Tony at a wide receiver 46. Obviously, when I go to update this as we move closer to Sunday... Make sure you're checking back at regularly for those updates. 
because I'll make sure I'm giving you the edge and updating them all the way through to up until kickoff. Kadarius Tony will raise up my board because he'll be the slot receiver. Darius Slayton will play the other side, and he'll be in the middle. That's who Daniel Jones is going to go to. So he'll probably move into probably at 36. I might even move him ahead of Kenny Galladay and get him inside that top 36. But he's going to be a wide receiver three play. I think he's going to have a decent floor. I know he disappointed that game before he went to the bye, but he was still kind of banged up that week. Again, he's off the injury report. It's a nice match against Tampa Bay. A game in which I expect they're going to have to come back in the second half and have a lot of garbage time points. Because Again, I think Tampa Bay is going to come back with a vengeance in this matchup. So then you have garbage time, you have a slot receiver for Daniel Jones, and you have a nice match against Tampa Bay. That should mean he has a nice floor as a wide receiver three for fantasy football purposes. I don't care about Evan Ingram. He's not involved enough, especially when the other weapons are healthy. So I think it's all you're really looking at from the Giants' perspective. As far as betting this game, all my money is going to be on Tampa Bay. The line is minus 10.5 for Tampa Bay at home. The overrunner set at 50. I actually like the over in this game because I think Tampa Bay is going to score into the 30s. I think the Giants will get into the 20s as a result by the end of the game, whether it's a backdoor cover or whatever. So my lock bet for this week is going to be Tampa Bay Giants over 50 on Monday Night Football. But I'm also going to bet. I'm not going to call it a lock because it's a big line and they didn't play great against Washington last week. But I am going to bet on Tampa Bay minus 10 and a half. I'm going to bet on them to cover. Again, I think Tampa Bay can win this game by two touchdowns and will look to after having a bad performance last week when they came out of their bye week. That's gonna do, well, that's, that's not going to do it for the show. Guess what time it is, guys? The mail's here. That's right. The mail is here. Anytime you want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do, go to our social media pages, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Hit us up. DM us, comment on us, tag us, whatever, whatever, however you want to do it. Ask us a fantasy football question. I will get back to you no matter who you are, no matter what your question is. I want to help out everybody from MD Nation. I appreciate you guys coming to me, coming to me, myself, and Chris, actually, for your fantasy football advice. And we will always be there to continue giving it out and helping you guys win on your way to an MD Nation championship. Always, I pick out my few of my favorites for the week that I think really capsulate what a lot of people are dealing with. This first one, I've been trying to do this more and more over the past couple of weeks, trying to find defensive questions because we don't talk about defenses or kickers on this show for good reason. But I have to say, I am pretty good at ranking defenses and kickers. One of the things I'm pretty far up there on the list there on Fantasy Pros this year on the rankings contest, this mailbag, Cece, uh, asked me, Dolphins defense or 49ers defense? And I thought this was a, a fair question because this is what a lot of people are looking at, especially when they're looking at their waiver wires and what defenses are available to them. 49ers defense had a tremendous performance against the Los Angeles Rams of all teams, and now they get the Jacksonville Jaguars, so they look very lucrative on paper. But the Miami Dolphins. Somebody asked me earlier in the week, and I think that's why this is kind of a question and why I pulled it. It wasn't Cece, it was somebody else. But they asked me, I think, they said, do you think the Dolphins' defense is for real? Because this person was saying, I don't. He's like, I think they might not be legit. So, first of all, I get not wanting to over or underreact one way or another. But here's what I'm going to say. This is what's different about the Dolphins' defense. It's not just that they're healthy. Because they were healthy earlier on in the season when they were stinking up the place. They got Xavier Howard back. Byron Jones is back in the mix. And, yes, that helps. 
The big thing is that Brian Flores took back over the defensive play calling. Since that point, they have been the most heavy blitzing team in the league. Most heavy blitzing team in the league, which is getting back to the roots from last year. Why they were such a good fantasy defense last year. Now they're getting sacks. Now they're getting turnovers. Now they're being opportunistic. That's what you want. They're playing the Jets. Playing Joe Flacco and the Jets. They just shut down the Baltimore Ravens. Look, I don't know if they hold the Jets, you know, scoreless or anything like that, but I can guarantee you're going to get sacks. I guarantee you're going to get turnovers. Miami is going to, I don't know if they're going to be my number one defense just yet, but right now they're in my top three. There's a decent chance they're going to be my number one fantasy defense on the week. So it's definitely the Dolphins, and it's not close. San Francisco defense is not, generally speaking, a turnover machine. They It was more of you know luck and circumstance that they were got those turnovers against the Rams than anything else. They're not generally a good turnover team. So even though they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're not a bad play this week. I'm not saying that. They are my top 12, but they don't have the same kind of upset. They're not three are not a legitimate defense the way the Dolphins are moving forward as long as Brian Flores is calling the plays. All right, let's get off the defenses. Angie. Angie asked me, I was offered Josh Allen for Saquon Barkley. No. No. You You don't do that deal, Angie. You don't take Josh Allen for Saquon Barkley. You don't take a quarterback for an RB1. And make no mistake, Barkley will get back to his RB1 status as long as he can stay healthy. You can't find RB1s, and you can't replace their production. Can't do it. You can replace quarterbacks. And Josh Allen, while he's the number one QB for most weeks, he hasn't been very consistent himself this season, well, like a lot of the quarterbacks. But no, you never, ever, ever trade an RB1 for a quarterback. I don't care what your situation is. Jaeger, I love the name, Jaeger. Michael Pittman or Terry McLaurin rest of season? Tough question. Tough question. I had to think about this question quite a bit. It's a tough, it's a tough question. It really is. I'm going to say Terry McLaurin. Slightly. They're both in the, they're both in the same area, regardless. And either way, if you're debating upon a trade or whatever the case may be, I don't think you can go wrong either way. But the reason why I wound up being Terry McLaurin for me slightly is because he's always going to be guaranteed the volume. And I think he's too good a receiver where I think better days are ahead for Terry McLaurin. I don't think he'll be this mediocre throughout the rest of the year. Michael Pittman, who's been a superstar, and I think right now he's actually a top 12 wide receiver. So technically, from a productivity standpoint, he's a wide receiver one at the moment. You would think it'd be Michael Pittman. I think most people would answer Michael Pittman. My concern is this with Pittman. When T.Y. Hilton plays, he seems to get just as many targets. I pointed this out the other day. Now, he has to play the full game. So in the two two weeks where he's played a full game, and I know that's not saying a lot, him staying healthy is part of the issue. But in the two weeks where he played a full game, he had five targets, and so did Michael Pittman. Both times. So I'm a little bit worried. Does Hilton coming back mean Pittman is not devouring the same volume that he was that was making him this wide receiver one? And if that's not the case, he's not a big play guy. And for being a big guy, he doesn't score a ton of touchdowns. So I think he will be falling back more into the wide receiver two, mid-level wide receiver two realm, which is why I slightly go with Terry McLaurin here. I think they're both wide receiver twos. I think they're both still good plays. Slightly Terry McLaurin, but good question there by Jaeger because it's close. Conley had another good question. This is another close one. 
Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith rest of season? So for me, it's Jalen Waddle. Right now, I know the, the flavor of the week, the rave of the town, is all about Devonta Smith. I get it. He deserves it. He's been scoring touchdowns the past couple of weeks, had two touchdowns last week. And while the Eagles offense has gotten better and more efficient since they committed to the run, I don't think he can sustain his fantasy value on six targets a game, which is basically what it's been since they've gone to this rushing first attack. So that's what I would be worried about when it comes to Devonta Smith. Because remember, he took away those touchdowns. And I don't, again, I'm not trying to like take away, like, oh, he took away those touchdowns. No, they happen. They're real. They're good. They're part of the equation for sure. But if you take away those touchdowns, he's not getting a ton of yards. He's not getting a ton of catches because, again, it's six targets. Jalen Wild, on the other hand, maybe he's not scoring touchdowns like Devonta Smith recently has been. But Jalen Waddle is like guaranteed eight plus targets, most games, double digit targets every single week with high floors. Now he hasn't been getting the big plays that we like. He doesn't have as many touchdowns. But I feel confident playing Jalen Waddle as a wide receiver two every single week and not having to worry about it. with Devonta Smith, much more boomer bust action going on for him this season. He's either really good or not relevant. That hasn't been the case with Waddle for the most part. So I would say slightly for Waddle, but again, two guys who are pretty much in the same territory in that low-end wide receiver two category. That's going to do it for the show. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me on this Thursday night. Make sure you're checking out this show or any other episode on your favorite pod streaming app. We will be back tomorrow on Friday at 9 p.m. with the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Chris Dahauer will join the show. Chas Vlardy will join the show. We'll have a great time, as we always do every Friday night. Make sure you're following us along on social media, at BaileyUpMDFFShow, and subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. I'm your host, Dan Maynard. You guys have a lovely... Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.